Quantifying Deontay Harris's contributions to the New Orleans Saints, why the Saints might be desperate at pass rusher this weekend, and why that quarterback competition coming up this offseason really only carries weight if you improve at the wide receiver position as well. We got all of that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked, you are locked, on, locked Saints. on Saints, your daily your New daily Orleans, New Orleans, Orleans Saints, Saints podcast. podcast, part of the Locked, locked, on, locked on Podcast, podcast Network. Network, your team, your team every day. Every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Analytics Tuesday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday here on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our good friends over at On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. All right. So on today's episode, we're going to kind of tackle Analytics Tuesday a little bit differently. We're going to use it to tell a couple of stories here because we have some big news coming out of New Orleans. We're going to start off with perhaps the biggest news here, a story that we've been following all season. Uh, Deontay Harris officially suspended for the next three games. The suspension actually came down before the Thanksgiving game. He was able to participate in both of those Thursday games because he appealed and the suspension couldn't become official in whatever capacity it was upheld until the appeal process was over. Well, that appeal process is now over and the suspension has been upheld as a full three-game suspension. This is linking back to his off-season DUI arrest in Baltimore or in Maryland. And so, you know, the, the Saints just, the hits keep coming, but The thing about the Deontay Harris suspension here is that it's about a lot more than just a deep threat and a returner. Deontay Harris's contributions have been magnificent for this team so far. So let's go ahead and break them down and see where the Saints could potentially regain some of this uh, production over the course of the next few games to wrap up the season, or at least, I mean, he's eligible to come back week 17. Remember, there's week 17 and 18 now, so you might get him back the last two games of the year. So when we look at 20 plus air yard, 20 plus yards, through the air targets, 20 plus air yard targets. Uh, Deontay Harris, of course, has been your most productive there. He's got four catches on 10 targets, so 40% completion percentage. That's fine when you're talking about, you know, firing downfield like that. 194 yards, two touchdowns. So the production right there is at the top of the New Orleans Saints roster. Right behind him, Marquez Callaway, four catches on 12 targets, 33% there, so a little bit lower than you'd like. 155 uh, yards and also two touchdowns. And then Traquan Smith, uh, two catches on seven targets beyond 20 yards in the air for only 38 yards and a touchdown. So Deontay Harris, of course, is your, you know, he was your rookie all pro returner. He has been a phenomenal returner for you so far this season, producing there in every game, basically outside of that Bills game. He really struggled there. The Saints really struggled in the return game there, but he's also produced for you deep. I mean, he's been the guy that takes the top off of defenses. He has the big catch and runs. He has all of that. But it's not just about what he brings to you as a deep threat. And as a special teamer, he's done a lot more here as well. And something to consider, Deontay Harris here catching only four of his 10 deep targets. Well, another four of those went for interceptions off the mark, putting him in jump ball situations, coming up short, things like that. So something to consider in in that realm as well. Uh, But 
here's what he also does for you for the New Orleans Saints. He is your most consistent receiver behind the line of scrimmage and nine yards down the field as well. So he's your most consistent between the sticks. And here's why that ends up, here's how that ends up shaking out. Marquis Calloway in that same range, 11 catches on 16 targets, really good percentage there, but only 85 yards, no touchdowns. Trey Quan Smith, 14 catches, 19 yards for, excuse me, 14 catches on 19 targets for 123 yards, no touchdowns. He gets you your first downs. He's, you know, in over the middle in the short area and intermediate area kind of guy. That's what Trey Quan Smith gives you. But Deontay Harris, 22 catches on 32 targets for 255 yards and a touchdown. And a large part of that comes into the yards after catch conversation. And when you look at that a little bit more deeply as well, that's the other place where Deontay Harris contributes big time. It's the ability to be able to pick up yards after catch. Marquez Callaway, 47 yards after catch this season. Trey Quan Smith, 64 yards after catch this season. Deontay Harris, 231 of his over 500 yards. He's your leading receiver. He's your best receiver 20 yards down the field. He's your best receiver within nine yards downfield, including behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes, shovel passes, things like that. And he's your best yards after catch threat as well. It is a lot more than just losing some you know deep threat that could take the top off every now and then. Deontay Harris has simply been the most effective and efficient and productive wide receiver and pass catcher that the Saints have had so far this season. And there's another way to quantify that, but we'll talk about that one a little bit later. So where do you reproduce some of this production? Well, a lot of people have been very curious about whether or not some of this production comes back with a guy in Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry was a seventh round wide receiver slash quarterback slash halfback. He did a lot of stuff when he was at Navy. Uh, Seventh round selection by the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 NFL draft. His final season in college, he was absolutely electrifying. Despite being, you know, majority a quarterback over the course of his time at Navy, he also caught 22 passes on 42 targets for 460 yards and three touchdowns, 267 of those yards coming after catch. So that feels kind of similar to what uh, Deontay Harris gives you. But the thing is, is that it, it wasn't really produced from the same area of the field and in the same way. It was produced out of the backfield quite a bit and only played 12% of his snaps from the slot. Deontay Harris this season with 42% of his snaps from the slot. Now, this trends one way when you talk about the NFL and it trends the other way when you talk about his transition to the NFL as well. The thing is that when he got to the NFL, he was used a lot more in the slot. So that becomes a, a correlation between he and Harris. Harris, 42% of snaps from the slot. Last year, Malcolm Perry with the Dolphins, 61.6% of snaps from the slot. However, the receiving production, of course, comes down quite a bit because you're playing a more traditional position. You're not doing something that's specifically unique in the way that Navy was doing it. And the NFL game moves a lot faster than the college game, particularly at his competition level. Nine of 13 when it comes to catches and targets for just 92 yards and a touchdown. Now, that's not terrible for only 103 routes run, but you talk about yards after catch and how impressive he was in college there. Only 3.7 yards per yards after catch per reception in the NFL. So the game moves a lot faster at the next level. Now, what Malcolm Perry does sort of provide that's really special is his ability as a runner. We'll have to see if that translates in the NFL because the NFL hasn't really asked him to do that very much. They've really focused on him transitioning to wide receiver, at least in Miami, right? And they did the similar thing in the time that he spent with New England. And so 2,093 yards, 21 touchdowns in his final year at Navy, 7.3 yards per attempt, had 1,133 of those yards after contact, and uh, he had 65 10-plus yard runs in college as well. But can he reproduce that and do that at five foot nine, 185 pounds? 
while Deontay Harris is doing it at five foot six, 170 some odd pounds. So we'll see if if Malcolm Perry gives you something that you feel like you weren't getting, but he certainly doesn't have the speed that Deontay Harris has. He doesn't have the NFL experience that Deontay Harris has at this point. And I don't know if the things that made him special in college will make him special in the NFL, but the expectation is that Malcolm Perry may be elevated this weekend. So we might get an early look at what he looks like in this Sean Payton, New Orleans Saints system. All right, y'all coming up next, Deontay Harris might not be the only New Orleans Saint or new New Orleans Saint added to the list of starters missing up against the New York Jets. Cam Jordan added to the COVID-19 reserve list, what it means to the pass rush and what they'll need to do if they're without their uh veteran leader, effectively. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Boost Mobile, because look, you listen to podcasts like this for the power of knowledge, right? You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money, and they absolutely help you do that because with Boost, you get all of the power of a free 5G phone, so you can listen to all the latest episodes, and you can get the power of three unlimited data lines for just 30 bucks a month per line so that your family can harness all of that brain power as well. All of that power on one of America's largest 5G networks so that you can do it all at the speed of 5G. And with all that money that you'll save and all that knowledge that you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile to find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save at Boost Mobile. Free phone is limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. And y'all, we are just 100 days away from Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The official hospitality partner of the NFL on location is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. This is really cool. You get to select your exact seats. You get to choose from experiences that feature exclusive pregame celebrations with NFL legends. You can also get five-star LA hotels, and you won't be going hungry on this trip because you get food from the great Wolfgang Puck as well. So visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location on your favorite search engine. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making this your first listen of the day every day. I got the best job in the world, and it's all because of all of you. Uh, just one quick little note that I'll be back in the press box for the uh, Monday night football game up against the Miami Dolphins, the next home game there. So looking forward to being back and in, in, in action for that and bringing you some of that perspective. Uh, but uh, now we kind of have to continue to look ahead here to the New York Jets game this Sunday and talk about what the Saints might be missing. And you're going to be missing an enormous piece when it comes to Cam Jordan. I know a lot of folks kind of, you know, stick their nose up at him because he doesn't have the sack production that he had, you know, those those several straight seasons where he had 10 plus sacks, double digit sacks. He's got four on the season here, but he's a veteran leader for you. And just like we used Analytics Tuesday to sort of quantify what it is that Deontay Harris brought to the team and what they'll be replacing, we can do the same with Cam Jordan, but we can't. Analytics isn't going to help us talk about him being a you know emotional leader, him being a veteran leader, him having 157 straight games, the longest active streak of consecutive games played is on the line here. So just a little bit of detail here. He, he could miss 
the game on Sunday up against the Jets. He tested positive. He is uh, immunized. He is vaccinated. So that means that if he gets two two negative tests within 24 hours, then he could be eligible to play up against the Jets. But we'll see if that's going to be able to happen in time. Uh, so hopefully that do- that can happen and he gets out on the field. But on, on a more broad sense, hopefully this stops at Cam Jordan, right? Hopefully it doesn't end up permeating and end up becoming another issue, sort of like what we just saw with the Dallas Cowboys last week, who had some issues with offensive linemen as well as offensive line coaches, Cam Jordan defensive line testing positive, but you know, whatever. So there's a, a way to look at all of this. There's a way to not look at all this. But the bottom line is that I want to focus on what happens on the field with or without Cam Jordan, right? And so when you look at what Cam Jordan's production has been so far this season, again, he doesn't have the sack numbers, right, that you expect or that people want four sacks on the season, but he is ahead in terms of everything when it comes to pass rush for this team. 36 total pressures, that's plus 15 from second place into that category. 10 hits, that's plus three in that category. And then he has the four sacks. Now he has played more pass rushing snaps than anybody else. Second place that's behind him is 217 pass rushing snaps behind him. He's got 413 on the season total. That next sort of second place pass rusher is uh, Shy Tuttle, who of course rotates a little bit less and some of the ends that have been injured and have missed games and have been rotating throughout the season, all of that. Um, and then it doesn't stop, of course, at pass rush. It also kind of goes into the run game as well. 27 defensive stops. That's second on the team behind Demario Davis, who's up in the 30s, but he's only got two missed tackles as compared to like Demario Davis's seven missed tackles, right? So his ability to be able to stop the run is a little bit more consistent, although Demario Davis is, in no, is by no means inconsistent in that pattern. Uh, The thing that adds to this is that not only do you not have Cam Jordan potentially this Sunday, if that were to happen, you also don't have Peyton Turner, at least at this time. He wasn't designated to return from injured reserve, although Malcolm Roach was yesterday, another defensive lineman who does have a little bit of versatility, can play inside and out. Um, Tono Passanio was moved to injured reserve last week, so he's not going to be available this week. The big question is, are you going to be able to get Marcus Davenport back uh, this weekend? Because that's really, that's the guy, right? That's the guy that's been the most disruptive for you, particularly over the last few weeks. Now, the last few weeks that he played, now he's missed the last couple of games, but will he be able to go this week? Definitely something that we'll keep an eye out on when it comes to the injury report. Otherwise, your only active at this point edge rushers are Carl Granderson and Jalen Holmes. And don't get me wrong, Carl Granderson's actually been quite impressive. Over the course of the last three games, he's played 30 plus snaps total on defense um, in each of those games, nine total pressures, despite the fact that he's really only passed rushing about 25 times on average, and he's got one sack. So not terrible. Um, 25 pass rushing snaps in the last two games. So, you know, he's up there and he's getting the pressures. Jalen Holmes, on the other hand, in the last two games, he's also played over 30 snaps, but he has only one pressure. But it's because they usually use Jalen Holmes in run situations or expected run situations. He's only played 18 and 16 pass rushing snaps for the last two games, respectively, as compared to Carl Granderson, who's pretty consistently over 25 for the past couple. Now, if you get Marcus Davenport back, this is what ends up making a big difference for you. Because over the last three games that Marcus Davenport was eligible to play and that he was on the field, he totaled 40 plus snaps uh, and ended up rushing a a ton of those times, 27, 26 of those times, generated eight pressures in those three games and four sacks, including one two sack game. So he's been very, very active and very productive in the pass rushing game alongside or opposite rather Cam Jordan. So this might be an opportunity if you don't have Cam Jordan this weekend and you do have Cam, you do have Marcus Davenport next weekend, gives you maybe a little bit of a glimpse into what the future looks like beyond 
uh, Cam Jordan, if Marcus Davenport were to stick around, if Cam, if Carl Granderson is one of the guys that they end up rotating along with Peyton Turner, and we'll see how long Tono Passanio sticks in New Orleans. So I think that it gives you a, kind of an evaluation opportunity, but obviously you want that veteran leadership. You want Cam Jordan on the field no matter what. Now, here's where they can get a little weird. During the preseason, David Onyemata played a ton on the edge. He played a total of 53 defensive line snaps. 30, excuse me, 48 of those were outside, so on the edges. He led the team in pressures from that position with nine. That's over the course of two games. Remember, the Saints didn't have that third game against the Cardinals. And then he also led the team with two sacks, added a quarterback hit, six hurries, as well as three tackles and five defensive stops. So he was extremely productive from the edge rusher position. So David Onyemata could potentially help the Saints get a little weird here, especially with uh, uh, Malcolm Roach being designated to return from injured reserve. That gives you an interior rotation of guys like Malcolm Roach as well as Shai Tuttle. But then you also have David Onyemata who can move outside, inside. Christian Ringo has been playing really well from the interior as well. So it frees up your opportunity to really use David Onyemata in a lot of weird packages and just have a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of unexpected nature behind all of this, right? In the midst of really being desperate at that pass rusher position, let's say if you don't have Marcus Davenport or Cam Jordan this weekend. So something to definitely keep an eye out on, where is David Onyemata going to spend his time rushing the passer? Could be out on the edge up against the New York Jets. All right, y'all, coming up next, I've got two takeaways for our new Takeaway Tuesday segment. We're just basically taking this last game and breaking it down to two major takeaways before we start to turn our attention to the New York Jets. So we'll talk about why the New Orleans Saints need to address that wide receiver position. Otherwise, everything else might be a moot point. We'll discuss as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints. Now, listen, the New Orleans Saints five-game losing streak has not been the most fun to watch, but maybe that puts you in a situation where you feel like you need a little bit of time away, a little bit of a vacation. Well, I'm going to tell you how you can get yourself a nice little beach vacation because in life, we're bound for different things. And with beachbound.com, you could be bound for adventure, for passion, for discovery, for togetherness, immersion, uh, rejuvenation, or you might just be bound for encountering the unexpected. And you can definitely do that safely with our fantastic friends over at Beachbound Travel. So go ahead and check them out. And personally, I'm a resort beach kind of guy. I want to be in sort of this, you know, I want to be able to go to the pool, but I also want to be able to like go outside and go to the beach if I want to do that, kind of chill out, sit over by the poolside bar if I want to, if I want to chill there, get myself a taco flight, have it sent over to the room, sit out in the back over by the beach and enjoy myself with good company, good friends, good sports if it's on television, of course, and all of that. And of course, a good view from my vantage point. And that makes me as happy as I can be when I'm on vacation. So, hey, go and check them out with beachbound.com. You can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what it is that you're looking for. What are you bound for? Find out today at beachbound.com. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode with two takeaways on our Takeaway Tuesday. Um, I wanted to kind of break down this loss to the New Orleans Saints up against the Dallas Cowboys, but I wanted to do it in such a way that we didn't have to really like dig into, you know, what the Saints did wrong and all that. Like we're looking at the New Orleans Saints moving forward, kind of wondering how are they going to be able to finish up the rest of the season. So what's most important to me is what happened in that game and how it influences things moving forward. And there's sort of two ways that we can look at this. So there's two takeaways that I'm taking away. There's a more immediate future, and then there's a distant future. And I want to start with the distant future because to me, the distant future conversation is really interesting. 
And the distant future is really the conversation around the quarterback spot for the New Orleans Saints. A lot of folks want the Saints to go after Russell Wilson and trade for him, Aaron Rodgers trade for him. Some folks want Deshaun Watson. Other folks want to see Jameis Winston return. Some folks want to see more Taysom Hill, Ian Book. I mean, there's so many different ways that the Saints can go, so many different paths that they can take when it comes to addressing quarterback. They could potentially take a risk and go with this kind of shoddy quarterback class in the draft. Can he pick it? Maybe the best option? I don't really know. Some people feel like it's Matt Coral. We'll see what Malik Willis looks like at the Senior Bowl. That might be an opportunity for him to really turn up. And for him, the, the New Orleans Saints to fall in love with him, maybe. Uh, the Saints love senior bowl players, so something to keep an eye out on there. But, and Ian Book was a senior bowl player as well. So I think that when you look at this, though, regardless of how many different ways you can go, none of it really matters if you're not able to address the other issue here and the other glaring issue that's kind of not really been addressed in New Orleans over the past few seasons because you had Drew Brees who elevated receivers in a way that was something special, just like you had. Tom Brady in New England elevating receivers there outside of the time that he had Randy Moss, of course. But, you know, you look at what Drew Brees was able to do with guys like undrafted free agents like Lance Moore, like Pierre Thomas. You look at some of the other wide receivers like Willie Sneed, that game in which he threw like four, he threw four touchdowns to undrafted free agents. I mean, it's that kind of skill set that this New Orleans Saints team doesn't have and can't bank on getting moving forward. So you have to really invest at that wide receiver position in order to be, or pass catcher spot. But I really say wide receiver position because I feel like they've invested more at tight end recently than they've invested at wide receiver. Yes, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Yes, they went after Adam Humphreys. Yes, they tried to trade for Odo Beckham Jr., but only one of those things actually happened. So until the things actually start happening, then I, I have a little bit of trouble just saying, well, clearly they've invested. I think there have been times where they've tried, certainly, but not always has it been successful. And that's that's pretty evident. I don't feel like that's a hot take or, or or something, you know, unproven or or that even that people don't know. But I think that if you can't really improve at this wide receiver spot, which means getting Michael Thomas back and adding <laughs> another piece, I want to stress that adding another piece, keeping the right pieces around that you really like. I mean, Deontay Harris, I believe is going to be a restricted free agent. So very likely that he'll be, you know, in New Orleans, isn't going to be going anywhere. And so with all of that, I think, you know, you keep Deontay Harris, you you get Michael Thomas back ideally. And then you're able to add somebody, whether it's via the draft, whether it's via free agency, whatever it might be, right? Any draft wide receiver is a risk, right? Sometimes they pan out. Sometimes they Jalen Waddle for you. Sometimes they Justin Jefferson for you. And sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes it's Traquan Smith and it doesn't work out. But when it comes, or sometimes it's Laquan Treadwell and all of a sudden it's working in Jacksonville because he's the only option, but it didn't work at all for the first like 15 years of his career. I know Laquan Treadwell hasn't been in the league 15 years, but it feels like it. And so I think that those are the things that you kind of have to risk a little bit when it comes to the draft, but it doesn't mean you should avoid wide receivers in the first round of the draft, right? You just have to do the homework. Who fits? Who doesn't? Chris Olave, fantastic scheme fit to operate opposite uh, Michael Thomas. And you know what? If he's not a scheme fit, that's what coaching is there for. You become a scheme fit or you adjust the scheme to fit the players that you have. And that's something that Sean Payton and the Saints offense have done remarkably well. And so I think, especially when they have talent, right? And so I think adding talent at wide receiver is important. Here's why it's also important, which gets us to our second takeaway. The Saints defense could win games, but they need some help. Um, this offense needs some milk. I mean, it needs something, right? And you look at some of these numbers and you can immediately, immediately excuse me, see where it is that quarterback impacts the game and where pass catcher can impact the game as well. For instance, uh, the Saints right now, their leading receiver in terms of receptions, is Alvin Kamara, despite the fact that he's missed the last four games, he leads the team with 32 catches, 32 receptions. Um, 
Adam Thielen in Minnesota has got 90 plus catches by himself right now, right? We're talking about through 12 games of the season. Your leading receiver has only 32 catches. And we're also talking about Alvin Kamara being that guy, which isn't super surprising, right? But over the past four seasons, three seasons, he's had over over the first four seasons of his career, he's had over 80 catches. He had 81, three straight, 83 the year after that. And then usually you had Michael Thomas ahead. And I know Michael Thomas hasn't been available, but Lord, you got to do something here. Their third down conversion percentage over the last three games, 39%. That's 22nd in the NFL. The offense is not extending drives. The offense is putting the defense in situations to where they have to win games. And it's tough to do that when they're on the field 70 game, 70 plays per game. You also look at the fact that they have a just 52.4% completion percentage on third down this season. <laughs> I mean, it has been a struggle for them. So some of that comes down to the offense in terms of the pass catchers not catching passes, right? We've seen a lot of, you know, lack of separation. We've seen a lot of drop passes, things like that. But some of it comes down to the quarterbacks as well. And you can kind of look at the offense as a whole here. O- over the course of the last three games against Dallas, against Buffalo, and against Philly, the Saints have had 37 possessions that aren't possessions that either end a half or end a um or end a game, right? Like a one snap, one play, kneel down. You know, I took those out. But 37 full possessions, full-on opportunities to do something with the ball. Nine times they went three and out. Ten times they turned it over, which includes a muff punt. So that counted as a possession and a turnover all in itself for me. Uh, that's a total of 19 total either drives that ended in third downs or drives that ended in a turnover, right? That's 51%. 51% of the time the Saints offense is giving the ball back via a turnover, which is tough for the defense to be able to like switch up that momentum and or they're going three and out and they're giving the ball right back to the offense and putting the defense right back on the field. That's not good. That's not consistent. That's not efficient. That's not proficient. That's not productive, right? That's not how you win football games. And your defense can be really good. The defense was outstanding up against Dallas. Yes, they gave up a 58-yard touchdown run to Tony Pollard. I know. But 20 points allowed by this defense, seven points given up by the New Orleans Saints offense. I mean, these are the things that make it tough to win games. So the big two takeaways here, you can address quarterback all you want, but you have to make sure you're addressing pass catcher, particularly wide receiver as well this offseason. And in the short term, this offense has to get more efficient. 51% of the time, giving the ball back within three plays or via a turnover over the last three games is unacceptable for an NFL offense. And so for the New Orleans Saints, if they want to win games moving forward because of their defense, the offense has to be able to do something. And boy, wouldn't a wide receiver help with that? All right, y'all, come to tomorrow. It's Film Watch Wednesday. We'll break down each position group and their performance up against the Dallas Cowboys last Thursday night and what it means for the Saints heading into Sunday's matchup against the Jets. Some things to like, some things you want to see improve will define it all for each position group. And of course, we have our WWL Wednesday. Really good takeaway coming up for you about how the salary cap has impacted this 2021 season and what it's looking like moving ahead into the 2022 season. Have some great stuff coming up for you tomorrow. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, before we're back with you tomorrow, make sure that you check out Locked On Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Y'all, for everything that you need in between these, these episodes, on your New Orleans Saints. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.